Isaiah 40, where this song comes from, the prophet says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood that the Lord is the everlasting God? He's the creator of all the earth. He doesn't grow weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Young men will become weak and tired. They'll fall in exhaustion. Can I just share for a couple of... I won't say a couple of people because I don't like that phrase. But I know for 2020, some of us got there on our hands and knees. Some of us got to Christmas literally on our knees. Some of us got to New Year. Just about. Verse 31 says, Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. And I don't know if this is a challenge or an encouragement. It might be both. But if you need strength, it doesn't come from Lucas aid. You're not even going to find it in Iron Brew. You're not going to find it in New Year's parties or New Year's resolutions. You're not even going to find it in joining the gym for the first two weeks. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Father God, at the start of this year, we just want to reaffirm our trust, reaffirm our hope, re-surrender, re-submit, that you would give us new strength, that we would run and not grow weary, that we would soar high not to get away from our problems but to see above them to see over them to see a way through that we would walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we wouldn't faint because we know you are with us we know you hold us we know you sustain us so God at the start of this year We place our trust in your goodness. We place our lives in your hands again. And we ask for your strength. That your strength will rise in us as we wait on you. God, help us to wait. Help us to wait for your word. Help us to wait for a move of your spirit. Bless us with patience, we pray. So we commit this time to you. We submit this word to you. May it do all it's called to do. We open our hearts and our minds and our lives to what you have to say to us. Would you bless us this morning as we wait on you? Not because people said.
Amen. 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 Thank you, band. I just want to welcome you to welcome you back in. Happy New Year if you weren't here last week. Um, can I just encourage you as well on the, the, the prayer, different things. I'm not going to say one is, is better than the other because they all are um, incredible opportunities to get together. Um, it's not a new kind of fangled thing. It's not kind of a one-hit wonder that we're doing these two weeks. Actually, it's an invitation to a life of prayer. Um, that what we're trying to do is give you opportunities to pray that actually it does something in you. You think, do you know what? I want to make this a pattern. I want to make this something in my life that I'm going to give a certain time of my day. It might be a certain time every day. It might be just that kind of, you might be spontaneous about it, but I just want to invite you into a lifestyle of prayer. It's not just a two-week, one-hit wonder. Now we've done two weeks of prayer and we're done. Actually, it's an invitation to get you passionate about prayer, to get you uh, finding prayer as a, as a rhythm in your Life. Uh, can I just encourage you as well? And um, the Wednesday, um, the, the praying through the promises group. And again, I don't want to kind of make one thing better than the other. But we had an incredible time. If you were there on that Wednesday, both both evening and morning, we we laughed, we we cried, um, we prayed into each other, we spoke into each other's lives. It was a really really incredible time. So I would encourage you if you if you can get out on a Wednesday morning, if you can get on Zoom on a Wednesday night, please do that. It's just been really powerful looking at the promises of God praying them over ourselves, um, praying them over each other, and just speaking life into each other. It's, it's been brilliant, so I would encourage you. Um, but we're looking at the, the, we're spending January, basically this is week one of our vision series, where we're just going to re-look at, re-unpack, uh, remind ourselves of the vision, the mission of, of the church, what we believe God's put on our hearts for this church, actually not just for this church, for this community. Um, we're going to look at how we outwork that. Um, and having vision, I don't know if you know this, if you've ever worn a blindfold, vision's important. Vision matters. Um, vision is really important for our lives. The Bible says that where there's no vision, the people perish. Uh, the, another translation puts this way, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. Another translation says when people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. And, and if we don't have a vision, anything goes. And can I just say that's true in our programming? Sometimes people can say, well, can, we, can we do this, 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 and this? And I'll always say, well, does it come back to vision? Because if we haven't got vision, anything can happen in not the right way. Um, the message, uh, the message uh, Bible says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. And what it's saying is that if you don't have a clear vision for your life, actually, if we don't have a clear vision um, for, for, for the church, then you might think, do you know what? It doesn't matter. If you haven't got a clear vision for your life, you might think, well, do you know what? Maybe my life just doesn't matter. If there's no clear vision for the church, you might think, well, actually, church doesn't matter. So we've got to keep reminding ourselves that God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for the church. And, and actually, God's plan is the only plan that's going to bring us real fulfillment. In, in a world where there's so much uncertainty and, and so many things are not clear, actually, the most important thing that God gives to us is, is, is his vision for our lives. And when we know God's vision for our lives, it brings us stability. It brings us confidence. It brings us clarity. When everything else feels like it's, it's shifting around us, God gives us that firm foundation. God gives us that solid rock. The message, in, if you look at this in Proverbs, it says that the, 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 the verse goes on. It says, but if you, know, if you haven't got vision, you'll perish. But when you attend to what he reveals, you are most blessed. So when you attend to what God's revealing, actually, you're, mo you're not just blessed, you're most blessed. Actually, we're most blessed when we receive and when we live in God's vision for our lives. And another definition of a vision is, is this, that it's a picture of a preferred future. 
Vision is a picture of a preferred future. We all have a preferred future. Can I suggest when we were younger, we all had a preferred future? You might look at your life now and think, well, I'm, that's not, I'm not living in my preferred future, but can I say even whatever age we are, we still have a preferred future. We still have aspirations for what we want our life to look like, and actually God has one for us as well. And I think in the Bible, cover to cover, we find God's preferred future for our lives, and I think God always wanted four things for us. That if you read through the Bible, you'll, you'll read it in different ways, it's worded differently, but I think there's four things God always wanted for us. The first is to be in relationship with him. The second is to settle our issues of our past. To, 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 the third is to find out what life is all about. You know, Mark Twain once said, there are two, the, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. That God wants us to find out why we're here, find out what, what it is we're here for, and then actually the fourth thing is we go and do something with it. We go and do something that makes a difference to other people. So what we've done is we package those as three phrases, revive hearts, restore hope, rebuild lives. God wants you to have your heart revived. God wants you to have your hope restored. God wants you to have your life rebuilt. We believe you were never intended or designed to live your life held back by habits or addictions or struggles. You were never meant to live in a future that's defined by your past. He wants to set you free from that. He wants to move you on. You were never meant to live your life restricted by past hurts, past mistakes, past worries. Jesus said, well, I came to give you life and life to the... He, that's God's vision for our lives, to live a full life, free from our past, free from guilt, free from shame, free from sin or anything that might just hold us back. And when we're in that place of freedom, then we discover what we're here for and then we go and do it. And then we go and make a difference in other people's lives. So another way of saying this is we're here simply, we've kind of got four phrases. We're here because we want to see lost people saved. We want to see saved people pastored. Pastored people, disciple, disciple people sent. So you, 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 you get to know God, you understand who God is, you, you get into a relationship with God. Then we pastor you through the issues of your life and we get you free from them. Once you're free from them, we'll disciple you into, okay, what's God called into your life? What's God called you to be here for? And then we send you to go and do it. And we've got so many people in the church who are, some are at different stages, but some are at that stage where, okay, well, I've, I've given my life to Jesus, I've broken free from my past, I've, I've worked through, okay, what am I here for, and now I'm going and doing it. And there's so many people doing that, and we love it, but you know what, there's always more. There's always more, there's always a next step for all of us. And, and we're on a journey that, that we make all our messages, everything we do, everything, every event we put on, every program we put on in the week, it has to do this. If it doesn't do this, it doesn't happen. Because that's the vision of the church. And if we haven't got vision, we run wild. And so we want to make sure that actually this is about community as well, that we put on events in the community that are, that are ensuring or trying to make sure there are opportunities for people to encounter God, for people to have their hearts revived. We want this community to find hope. We want this community to find freedom. We want this community to discover its purpose. God, what's Newbridge here for? What is Newbridge here for? God has a plan for this town, and we want Newbridge to find it, but it starts with Newbridge finding God. It starts with Newbridge finding God, finding freedom, and then finding out what its purpose is. Why am I here? What's the unique gift God has placed inside me? And then you use that gift to serve someone else. That's, that's who we are.
That's the vision for this church. That's the kind of template. That's the model. That's everything we do. And it's really important that we do this. We do it twice a year. We do it in September and January. Just a great time to do it. Because it's good to refresh it in our minds, to remind ourselves who we are. God says this to Habakkuk. Write down the revelation. Write down the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Write it down. You know, the, the vision for the church is no good if it sits in mine and Hannah's brain. No good to anyone. So we write it down. We, we literally carve it in stone. We write it on a tablet and we make it small. You know, tablets weren't these huge things that people were kind of struggling around with. They were small. We've made it small. We've made it clear. We've made it something actually people can take with them. They can hold it. And what happens? They run with it. They run with it to go and share it with others. We want, and we said this before, if someone came up to you in the street and said, well, tell me about your church, you go, we're here to revive hearts, restore hope, rebuild lives. I want you to get that tattooed. All right? I'm not making a theological thing about tattoos, but if you're going to get a tattoo, get that. Because they break down who we are. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we believe and, and some of you have been in the church maybe a couple of months and you've you kind of heard those words you've seen them on the screen you've heard us talk about them and you're thinking well where's that from where does that come from well if in Ezra 9 there's, a, there's an incredible passage I, I love I, I don't know why God's kind of given me this passion for it but I love the the the, the passages of where the Jews are in exile so I love Daniel, I love Esther, I love Nehemiah, I love Ezra, this journey from exile back into a restored kingdom. And what happens is, is in the book of Ezra, we get the narrative that the Israelites have returned from captivity in Babylon, they're back in Jerusalem, they, they, they return home again, and they start to build the temple. And Ezra says this, that we've been given a brief moment of grace, for the Lord our God has given us security in this holy place, our God has brightened our eyes and granted us relief from our slavery. We were slaves. We were slaves, but God, in his unfailing love, he didn't abandon us. He didn't let us go. He didn't let us leave there. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us. Now, he didn't stop there, by the way. Because I think sometimes in our theology we can think, okay, I'm saved, that's it, job done, thank you very much. I'll sit on the back row and, and eat my cottage pie. He revived us so we could rebuild the temple of God and repair its ruin. We believe with all our hearts God wants to see people revived. He wants to see people repaired. Another way of saying that, he wants to see people rebuilt. Or, oh, sorry, restored. He wants to see uh, people rebuild. He wants to see people's relationships with him revived. He wants to see people restored, finding freedom from bondage, slavery, shame, regret, people being released from, from, from their past and actually being restored to the freedom God's called them to live in. He wants to see people rebuilt. People discovering their purpose, discovering their cause, and living the life that they've been given down. Not broken down by failure, not broken down by other people's words or, or, or attitudes, but actually living out their purpose. And we see these words time and time again in the Bible. Psalm 85, the psalmist says this, God, revive us again. It's not a one-shot deal. God, revive us again so we can rejoice in you. Show us your unfailing love. Grant us your salvation and, and for us these three phrases and kind of the key message for this week is everything hinges on that first phrase because without that first phrase you can't get the other two 
You just can't do it. So everything hinges on this first phrase, and that's about having your heart revived with God. Not just to kind of know who God is, but to know God. To know God in your heart and not just your head. It means to, 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 to live a life in relationship with God and not just a religion. And that first step is really important because the, the relationship with God, it empowers everything else. So, so why revive hearts? Why that phrase? Well, the definition of revival is where something comes back to life. When you talk about revival and you talk about the Welsh revival, it's where the, the, the Welsh churches and the Holy Spirit in, in Wales, it came back to life. Why hearts? Well, God, it says that God planted eternity in the human heart. God has put something of himself, something of eternity. It's in our hearts. It's there. It's always been there. And the Bible says that because there's so much sin in the world, that, that that spiritual life, actually within us, it died. Ephesians says this, that once you were dead, now not physically, but, but spiritually, once you were dead, because of your disobedience and your sins, you used to live in sin. But it's okay, because all of us used to live that way. We all followed the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But God is so rich in mercy and unfailing love. He loved us so much. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. There's an ancient translation called the Webster's translation it says this and you hath he revived who were dead in sins you were you were spiritually dead we all were but God revived you God brought you back to life Paul says this in Colossians he says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away but God made you alive with Christ God revived you and he forgave your sins. One king says, may he turn our hearts to him. It's all about the heart. That's what having a revived heart is. It's about turning our hearts to God, allowing him to bring us back to life. Now, he can do that for the first time in this meeting this morning. You could, you could, be, you could have been a Christian for 50 years. And you could still say, God, revive my heart. God, revive my heart again and we want to offer an opportunity to do that later on this morning that if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior you can do that this morning you can say God revive my heart for the first time if you've been a Christian for 55 years you can say again this morning God revive my heart God do something new in me and take that first step on a really important journey where you align your vision for your life with the vision God has for you Paul says this to Timothy he says that some people that they've actually they've missed the most important thing in life they don't no, God. They haven't had a personal encounter with God, and, and that's the important thing because that's the thing that revives your heart. And as a church family, we do everything we can through our serving, through our giving, through our relationships to help people encounter and enter into a relationship with God. Can I say, I'll, I'll do anything short of sinning to bring someone into a relationship with God. And I mean that. I'll, anything I can do to bring someone, short of sin, anything I can do to bring someone into a relationship with God, I'm prepared to do it. And, and I want to just chat. Hannah, we had a prayer meeting the, the other night on Zoom, and, and I just said this. I really felt God was saying it to me, and this isn't in my notes, so just go with me. But I want us to have bear hunt faith. If you've ever read the book, Michael Rosen, we're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. I'm not scared. And then it says this, oh no, a swamp. 
And there's these incredible lines that says, do you know what? We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go around it. We'll have to go through it. Can I encourage you to have bear hunt faith? That on the other side of that mountain, on the other side of that issue, on the other side of that challenge, there's, there's a person. I want you to hunt them down. So when you wake up tomorrow, I'm praying that God will put someone in your brain and you'll wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what, I'm going on a bear hunt. I'm not scared. And whatever challenge I face to get to that person, I can't go around it, I can't go over it, I can't go under it. Do you know what, God, I'm going to go through it. Why? Because God says, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, you walk with me. Can we, be, we might change the name of the church, Bear Hunter Church, I don't know. <laughs> But I just, want to, I just want to encourage, and I don't, and it sounds silly, I know it sounds silly, but I just really get that, that there's something about that at the moment that's just, I can't get it out of my mind, this idea of, okay, I'm, I can't go around this, so I'm going to go through it, and I'm going to do anything I can to get to that person, anything I can, and when you get to them, don't run away, because that's what they do in the book. Um, but but just, just make sure you stick with them. But, but, I, but I say that because I'm, there's, there's, a, there's a compulsion in me, and I, and I feel it for this church, that we're compelled to let this community know that Jesus is the only way to God. We're compelled to let this community know that Jesus loves them. We're compelled to tell them that there's salvation for them. And the Bible says there's salvation in no one else. That we have a duty to say, actually, you can't get salvation anywhere else. It's only found in God. Jesus said himself, no one can come to the Father except through me. It's only through Jesus. Why Jesus? Because Jesus was the only one who was able to take what we did and nail it to the cross. He was the only one. There was no one in all creation that could do what Jesus did, that he nailed our sins, he nailed everything to the cross with himself so that we could go free. Jesus paid for our sins. He paid the price for us. You know, some people say that hell is actually a place where people go to pay their own debt. But Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it for us. So we can live not just in freedom on earth, but actually we get an eternity in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 in the, in the message says this. That it's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently to get everyone ready to face God. That's why we do it. There's an urgency about us to get everyone we meet ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and how deeply we care. Christ's love has moved me, us, to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. So that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life, a resurrection life, a life far better than people ever lived on their own. That's why Revive Hearts is at the very start of everything we do. That's why actually Revive is the name of the church, that we, that we work from that focused center. Our sole purpose is to declare Jesus died for you, to set you free, to bring you new life, to, to, to literally revive your heart. And, and again, I want to say whether you've, whether you've n never made that decision to follow Jesus or whether you've been a Christian for, for 50, 60 years, can I encourage you, there's always more. 
There's always an opportunity to say, okay, God, revive me again. Paul says this, all glory to God, who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. There's always more. There's always more. There's always something we can learn, always something we can do. There's always a deeper place to go with God. If you go back to our series in September, we talked about living higher. We talked about going deeper because we can do both. There's always more for us. The message translation, I love the way it puts it. It says this, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. There's always a next step. There's always more. There's always something else we can do. There's always something else we can do to deepen our relationship with God, to deepen uh, the, the, the call he's called on us. And, and we believe part of, our, part of that journey is to help you take those steps to make sure you're living the full life Jesus came. You know, if you're a Christian and you've been coming here for a while, but you've never kind of stepped into committing to the church, we'd love to invite you into membership. Membership's not a special club. We don't have secret handshakes and odd socks, but, it, but it's, it's a decision to partner with the vision of the church. It's, it's where you're saying, okay, I, I'm in. I'm, I want to get behind that. I want to partner with that. If, if that's you and you've been with us for a while, we'd love to invite you into membership. We've got a membership Sunday coming up, and, and, and we want to invite you to just partner in with the vision of the church. If you've been with us for a while, and you've never been baptized. If you've been a Christian for a while and you haven't been baptized, actually that's the next step. The Bible says that's the next thing you do. Jesus said himself, believe and be baptized. It's the next step for you to, to actually publicly profess your faith through water baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, by the way. But it's a declaration saying, okay, this is, this is who I am. I'm publicly professing my faith. We got a baptism in two weeks' time. So we're, we're baptizing at least two people in, in two weeks' time. I'd love to baptize more because I know there's some people here who haven't been baptized, and I'd love to just talk you through that. So if you know you haven't been baptized, please do come and speak to us. We'd love to walk you through that journey. And I want to encourage you as we start to think about this, this new year, I want you to think about your next steps. What am I next steps? What are the next steps in my spiritual journey? What do I need to do to be part of what God is doing? You know, the Bible says in, in Esther, he says that maybe you're called for such a time as this. Maybe you're here on this planet, in this town, for just the right time. But you know what, Esther, had a chance, even if you read the narrative of Esther, Mordecai says, you know, maybe you're here just for this time. Esther still could have gone, nah. But she stepped into it. And in the end, she saved a nation. But she had to step in. What I'm, I'm, I want to be kind of your Mordecai this morning and say, maybe you're here for this time. Maybe God deliberately put you right here, right now. There's a song there somewhere. <laughs> for this time. And there's a purpose and a plan that God's called you into and I'd love you we've put next steps cards on your on your chairs and I'd love you just to really take those with you and just consider okay what where am I on that track what do, what's my next step do I need to become a member do I need to get baptized do I need to get plugged into a team is there more that I could be not it's not about doing more but it's about how can I develop myself 
How can I take that next step in my own journey? And I want to encourage you, let's continue to serve. We are an incredible church for serving. We're an incredibly generous church, and I want to encourage you to continue to do that. You know, but, but I, what I want us to do more is let's give our community something real. Let's give our community something real, something they can kind of hold on to. I'm going to invite the band um, back up. But I want to, as I, as I said at the, in this message, that maybe you're here and you, you know what, I don't, you, you, you're saying, well, this is all great, but I don't know God. I don't know God personally, and maybe as we've been talking, as maybe as we've been singing, it might not have been anything you heard in the message, it might have been something in a song. There's something sparked in you. You thought, you know what, I, I, I'd love that relationship with God. I'd love to know God. I, I feel I'm ready to kind of give my life over to God, to allow him to come into my heart. Well, it, it starts with a prayer. It's a really simple one, but it's a really powerful one where you just say, God, revive my heart. God, revive my heart. Come into my life. Bring my, bring my heart back to life. And so I'm going to pray a really short prayer. And if, if, you know, if you know you're far from God and you know you need to pray that, then I'd invite you to pray it with me. And again, if you've been a Christian for 60 years and you think, Do you know what, I need to pray that again. Because last year I slipped a little bit. Last year something inside me died a little bit, but I need God to revive it. You can pray that prayer as well. And start off this year with a recommitment to God. So I just encourage you to bow your heads. And just pray this prayer with me in your heart. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay for my sins. Thank you that he died to bring me back to life. I realize today that I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Today I choose to change direction. I give my life to you. I invite you into my heart to revive it. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I believe you're the Son of God. And I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide my life thank you for setting me free thank you for reviving my heart in your name I pray Amen. Father God at the start of this year would you revive us would you pour out your spirit pour out your power would you awaken our hearts to the things of God. Would you awaken our hearts to your voice? Awaken our hearts to your word. At the start of 2023, revive us again so that we would see your kingdom come in our lives, in this church, in this town, and in this nation. God, revive us again, we pray. Why don't we stand together?